Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 67. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast through either our website, rockisgeorge.com, on our YouTube page, on one of the many podcasting apps, or at knac.com. My guest for this episode is Steve Blaze, guitarist and founder of Lillian Axe. If you're unfamiliar with Lillian Axe, they kind of got lumped in with the hair bands of the late 80s, early 90s. I would consider them straight up hard rock. Lots of melody, lots of groove, and maybe some headbanging stuff in there, but uh, not so much hair band as they are rock band. They have a new album coming out on August 19th called From Womb to Tomb on Global Rock Records. I had a chance to preview the album, probably the most mature album I've heard from Lillian Axe, and I was a big fan of their self-titled album and the album that followed it, Love and War. So here's Steve Blaze of Lillian Axe. If I knew absolutely nothing about Lillian Axe, how would you describe the band's music to me? I would probably say, uh, and, and the reason I use this term is because other people have told me that, it's very difficult to be on the inside and describe it. Uh, but I would, I would just say, um, if you have no idea at all, whether it's a jazz or blues or country, I would say it would be epic hard rock. I would go with that description. And you have a new album on the way on August 19th from Womb to Tomb through Global Rock Records. But before we get to the album, it's been 10 years since your last studio album. So what's been going on with the band? Uh, we have really not skipped a beat. Um, during that time, we uh, we did a, a couple of, uh, let's see, since the last record, we went to Europe uh, a couple of times. We went to, uh, we did about a uh, two and a half month tour with Faster Pussycat and, and Jack Russell's Great White. Did a lot of shows ourselves, did multiple Monsters of Rock cruises, festivals, playing around. Um, couple of band member changes put out an album called uh well i should say uh it's a double acoustic cd show and dvd of the entire experience called uh one night in the temple last year we signed a new deal with global rock records to reissue the whole catalog and to re-release an anthology record called psalms for eternity which we released a couple of months ago and then uh buckled down for the last year actually been working on recording this album for three years now so but really uh down to nitty-gritty in the last year and uh, a couple of you know changes new drummer and new vocalist in the last couple of years too as well so uh kind of retooling ourselves from womb to tomb is a little bit autobiographical from the beginning of life to the end of life it would i call it conceptual but it's been in my head for many many years and as a matter of fact, a friend of mine reminded me that about nine years ago, I, he and I had a conversation where I told him that I was going to do this. And, I, and then I told him the name, what it was going to be. So it's been with me for a while. It's conceptual, but not in the conceptual description that most people would see, like, you know, about an event taking place. If, uh, you know, so-and-so did this at this time in life and about a particular event or whatever, a story. It's more like uh, a conglomeration of the lessons learned uh, in my life, which I feel are uh, parallel to those of everyone's life. Uh, whether our, our paths are different or not, 
we still at certain times in our life have to come to grips and learn about certain things, which I think parallel all human beings life, uh, maybe in different ways, of course, because we all have different routes that we travel. But for the most part, we all learn about good, bad, death, love, uh, eternity, supernatural, all these things in life. So what I wanted to do was to work from the, from the beginning to the end, a kind of a, a lesson, like a format um, of what I learned as I grew up. You know, what happened? When did I first start to have images in my head of my childhood? What happened then? When did I learn about this? What was I going through from three to six and then from six to 10, et cetera? You know, what, at what point does this, or does it even have an end? And it doesn't, you know, the, the last song in the album is called Ascension. And it is about uh, going, uh, the soul going in my belief system is to heaven and, um, but moving forward. All the things that I experienced in my life, there are some like specific incidents that I do reference, but it's all about like, you know, about learning about love, learning about loss, learning about mankind's failures. Uh, but at the same token, how do we rise above it? How do we get better as an individual? How do we, is there a, a silver lining out there? So, and I, I think there is, you know, a lot of times when people look at the, they'll look at the, um, name of a song or whatever and and without even giving it a chance they already want to tell you what it's about you know like for example the fall of the human condition oh that's a that sounds depressing no it's really not depressing if you read the lyrics and listen to the song it's very upbeat because with every failure there's a success to be had and so that's kind of how i approached it loosely based on the lessons of all people's lives around but but tightly on the ones that i learned because i really don't think that, uh, that no matter where we're from or what we look or act like, I don't think we're that much different as far as what we experience as, we're, as we go through our lives. Maybe I missed it, but are you guys gonna release music videos to coincide with a couple of singles? Yeah, the, the first song that we're kind of releasing, if you would call it a single, so to speak, but you know, nowadays with the way radio is, it's, um, you just wanna get the album out there. Uh, that's the most important thing. But the first song we're really pushing, we have a video for it, is I Am Beyond. And uh, that is, um, as a matter of fact, I just got a call about an hour ago and I'm supposed to get the first rough of it today. It's pretty doggone amazing. I am just knocked out by it. Um, it's, it's kind of a cross between Game of Thrones, Tron, and The Matrix. Um, it's uh, Todd Schmidt, who is our basic videographer and does all of our photography and uh he's one of my best friends works with me in all my projects is just amazing at what he does and, and i think we thought from the beginning that this song was something that would really truthfully be a great start and kind of a a good representative of what the rest of the record was about and it's the it's the second track on the record but the first track is breathe which is actually about the, the actual birth of a child. Uh, I Am Beyond is when the infant has the, the, the conscience and the reality that he is an entity now, or he or she is an entity, um, and that this is the start of an eternal existence. So we thought it was a, a great start for people to kind of get a feel for the rest of the record. And you mentioned you have a couple of new band members along the way, uh, Brent... Graham is your latest vocalist. How did you discover him? 
I guess it was about eight years ago, Michael, our bass player, and I wanted to do a, a cover band because, you know, it's cover bands are, are a lot less stress. <laughs> and it's fun to go back and, and, and play these things. And uh, so we, we formed a band called Sledgehammer. And uh, Guy Gelso, the drummer for Zebra, was the drummer. And um, he knew about Brent. Brent was in a, a, a local cover band called... Uh, Oh my God, I just had a mind blank. Anyway, in a local band, but they were, you know, pretty popular locally. And um, he came out and just, I was like, wow, how come have I never, ever heard of this guy before? You know, I mean, he's, he's amazing. And Brent's like 6'4". You know, he's a big guy and he's, he has a very, uh, I don't want to say menacing appearance, but if you saw him out, you would think, yeah, you know, you know, you know tread lightly around him. And then you start talking, and he's the sweetest guy on the planet. He, he's really, he's become one of my best friends in the world. And he is just an amazing human being. Uh, such a nice guy and a great talent. So we started working together in Sledgehammer. And, um, he, you know, the band that he was in, whose name eludes me, and I feel like I'm getting having a senior moment because I cannot remember it. Uh, <laughs> but um, they were playing a lot. And that was pretty much his bread and butter. You know, so as Sledgehammer got to become more and more popular uh, and wanted to do more gigs, the other guys were playing everywhere, you know, four or five nights a week and stuff. So he had to step aside from that. But in the meantime, you know, we stayed cl close. And then we were asked to, uh, I don't know if you remember the show Constantine on NBC a few years ago, but we were on, I think it was the ninth episode, Lillian Axe was on the episode. Uh, we were playing in a venue that caught on fire and that was the episode and Constantine was there, et cetera. And uh, so we, they asked us to be in that episode and we did, but Brian, our singer at the time was going through some, some personal stuff and, and just kind of vanished for a little bit. And so we needed to do this. I didn't want to pass it up. So I asked Brent to take, to come in and, and be the, be the lead singer for that episode. And he did. And the whole time we were together, it was like, wow, this is just, you know, I know he can sing, but, you know, let me see what the guy's like, you know, out on the road and living together for a few days and in a, a big, you know, professional environment like this. How does he handle himself? How does he handle the people? And he's a pro. He's just a consummate. It's built into him to be to be a pro. He's a star. When the situation got to the point where it was time for us to part ways with Brian as vocalist, he was the first guy in mind. So it worked out great. Uh, our drummer, new drummer Wayne, was the drummer for Pretty Boy Floyd when we did that tour I was telling you about earlier. They were on that build, too. We spent two and a half months on the road with him. And Wayne not only was like phenomenal drummer, but another one of those guys that instead of hanging out with his band every night, he was hanging out on the Lillian bus, hanging out with us. You know, we had just you know, became very close. So when that position opened up, you know, he was the first guy that we asked. And, uh, and that was um, not very long ago, two years ago. And so here we are. And, you know, I think God sometimes makes you uh, appreciate being patient to put things in the right place. And uh, we don't understand that sometimes. So um, I just feel like having these guys right now, nothing against anybody that's ever been in the band because they've all been an integral part of the band and great guys and great talents but I feel more concise. I feel more um, 
at peace now than I ever have with these guys and with what we've just created. You're going to be heading out on the road soon. You're going to be hitting your first UK headlining tour in 29 years with Riot Act, another fantastic band. Have you played with Riot Act in the past or was this something to get that management put together for you? Yeah, it was something um, that the A&R guy for Global Rock, Giles, he, um, I think, I don't know if he's managing them right now or just working with them. And I was a big Riot fan when I was in high school. I had the vinyl, you know, so I was like, wait a minute, same band? He goes, yeah, they, you know, it's the, the the members that are left, but they're playing all Riot stuff. And, I, and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be great. Yes, please ask them if they want to come out and be support on this. That would be fantastic. So uh, I think it's going to be a blast. And there's another band I'm not very familiar with named Kane, but I hear that they're very good too as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I know it's going to be in and out. We do the uh, Monsters on the Mountain Festival in Gatlinburg on a Friday, fly out on the Saturday, start on the Monday, seven days in a row, and then fly back and then hit it up again. So, you know, that's right when the record's coming out. So I'm sure a lot of things are going to be, uh, you know, whirling around and developing at that point. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. How are you going to balance the new material into the set where you got a pretty extensive catalog? Yeah, we have 10 studio albums and 15 releases. So we have to uh, juggle. And uh, so, you know, you go back and forth when you start thinking about this, because, you know, some people are, oh, well, you got to play new stuff. So people know what's going on. That, and, and some people will say the opposite and say, well, they're only coming out to see your old stuff. I said, no, I don't believe that either. I think you give them a nice cross section i don't think you go heavy on anything i think you play you you know you know what songs gravitate to the top now i'm not going to go out there and play all of my personal favorites because they would be the deeper cuts that a lot of people probably wouldn't would be less familiar with so you know there are some songs that if we don't play that won't let us out of the country so we have to play ghost of winter and true believer and you know certain songs like that the problem is that adds up to about 10 songs, you know, and, and so it's a three band bill. So uh, in many of our shows, when it's just two bands or even some shows, or it's just a night with us by ourselves, we're doing two, two and a half hours. We can't do that on this. We have to keep it down at around 90 minutes. So we have to make sure that we cover everything. And I don't think it's going to be a problem doing that. It's better to have too many songs that people want to hear than not enough. So we're going to probably do, uh, I know two for sure, maybe three tracks off the new album, and then we will balance it out, you know, like, you know, probably the, the, the album that we're going to pick from uh, heaviest is probably Love and War, because there's so many songs on that record that we've been doing for a long time that always come up in conversation. So we'll probably do like five from that album, a couple from every other record. And before you know it, you know, there's your 18 tracks. You recently signed with Global Rock Records for this album, and there's a chunk of your back catalog that came with it, including that anthology you talked about. How did you get involved with Global Rock? I actually met Giles, the A&R guy. He was friends on Facebook with Wayne, our new drummer. And so when he found out that Wayne had joined the band, he went to town. He said, when, you know, we're dealing with uh, Brian Adams from the store for music about opening a new label to sign new acts. And uh, even, you know, even uh, we're not a new act, but it would be for new records, new material. And so we got involved with them. Um, I own most of uh, our albums, so I was able to work it all out. 
and with the correct parties on us being able to get everything reissued, uh, except for the first two records, um, which are owned by Universal. Hopefully, maybe not for long, because it's getting to that point uh, time-wise where we, you know, we're going to look into maybe we own our rights again. But in the meantime, they're live versions of those songs, and, and uh, you can still find everything out there. So uh, we just want to make sure that all the records are out there for people to hear. Because um, it's kind of funny being a band that's been around for so long, and a lot of people's eyes, we're like a brand new thing. I'm like, you, you have a lot to catch up on, which I think is kind of cool, to be honest with you, because if I found a new band that I really liked, and I knew they'd been around a long time, and I didn't have to wait, I could keep going back and listen to all their old stuff, I'd be thrilled. You know, I like when I find a new band, and they've got five or six old albums that I can go and go get and not have to wait another two or three re- years for another record exactly i'm kind of i'm kind of the opposite on that end unfortunately i i love your first four albums and was kind of surprised you're still banging at it i'm like wow they're still out there so now i'm going backwards from womb to tomb to catch your more modern albums to catch up yeah there was a um you know right after psycho came out we had a few years we put fields of yesterday which was basically a b-side thing but we did have a a, a period of I guess, uh, dormancy for a little while, if you want to call it that, um, where we were regrouping and, and, and doing that thing, that evolution thing or whatever. And then we came out and, and we would just, I guess the fact of the matter is a lot of people thought that we were out because we were on independent labels. And obviously in, in, in many cases, you get kind of, you get fed what is out there in the forefront and on independent labels that don't have necessarily the means or the, uh, the financial stability to really get you out in everybody's face like the major labels do you can get lost or you know swept under the rug a little bit so but we never stop we never and uh, i think you know um if i had it my way we put a new record out every i'd i'd be already working on the next album but you know there's lots of other things that have to be done but i will tell you that we have found a home at malico studios where we did this record uh with the engineer kent bruce and with this label so I'm I'm looking at the next record already. And next year, you're going to be celebrating 35 years of Lillian Axe. Do you have anything planned for it? Probably just uh, lock myself in a closet and weep that I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> you start looking at like timelines and stuff like that. And you start looking at what do you realize how you this. And then, you know, I have a son that just turned 13 and I'm like, my God, he just was my little baby. You know what I'm saying? He's like, so it, it's, um, you can't really get, I, I try not to get really wrapped up in that. You know what I'm saying? I, you just, you keep moving on. It's, it's an honor, just the fact that we're still around here and we still have uh, such a great fan base. And I just look at it as like, you haven't heard anything yet. You know, I'm always moving forward. I'm not the guy that, uh, although I am incredibly uh, sentimental, and live in the past in many ways, as far as like, uh, you know, I collect just about everything. Cause I don't, I'm not a guy that's good about throwing stuff away. I like to keep everything, but I like to keep moving and I like to keep creating, you know, we'll go, Hey, all right. First album came out 35 years ago. All right, let's go. All right. What's the next record. Let's get in the studio and keep moving. I just, I, I feel the need. I think that's what separates a lot of bands. Uh, they're, you know, uh, I mean, everybody has their own reasons for why they want to do things. Some bands don't want to do new music. 
because they feel like maybe it's not financially, you know, it's not feasible. I understand that too. It is, it, it isn't cheap to make records. It's a lot cheaper than it used to be, be honest with you, because in the old days, everybody was just throwing money in the wrong places. You know, now it's like, uh, I just want to create music. I want to just build up the legacy, build up the brand, you know, and then when we did the last, the uh, anthology record, Psalms for Eternity, that's what that whole album cover was about with the uh, obelisk. I wanted that to be a, actually a, uh, what is it, a time capsule, so to speak. So that obelisk has all the album covers etched in it. And it's on another planet somewhere out in the, in the solar system. And, you know, we wanted it to be, if somebody, you know, in 2000 years finds this thing and what is this about? Maybe this, this little fragment of what we did from each record might give somebody an idea of, you know, the overall picture of what we were musically about. So that was where that came from. You have been inducted and Lillian Axe has been inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. That must be pretty, I assume you're from Louisiana, so that must be a pretty big honor. It is. It was one of those moments that, um, I mean, the first time when the band got inducted, we were the first hard rock band to get inducted. And I was like, you know, just it's one of those things that you go, you know what, all the stuff you go through, all the emotional and spiritual and physical ups and downs you go through. This is quite an honor for me, for band members, crew, our family, our fans, everybody that's had any any input or support in us, it's it's for everybody. It's one of those things, you know, you, they can't take it away from you. You've achieved it. So when I got uh, inducted for the second time, that was another thing. I don't know if anybody else has ever been inducted twice or not, but it was like, I really, uh, I, I felt honored and I felt like, uh, you know, not that I, okay, I can lay down and die now. I didn't feel like that, but <laughs> it was like one of those things that I felt like, okay, well, this isn't all for naught, you know? It's uh, it's it's been one of the important accolades that I've received. I'd certainly say something like that is more important and well received than something like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In a lot of ways, it is because it's um, I don't know, I don't know very much about how they go about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and picking because it seems like artists everybody's complaining about it all the time. Like, it's not fair. It's not this. Why is this band in? Why is this band out? And before long, it starts to lose its reputation and being more of a political thing more than anything. So it loses its luster. Now, if we ever got inducted into that, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be honored. Of course I would be. But to be honored in, in your home state like that is important, especially, and I've said it out loud many times, many facets of the city, uh, New Orleans, where we're from, we've had amazing fans there. But like the, the local press and media never really supported the hard rock bands, you know? Bands like us, Zebra, Crowbar, hard rock bands out of this area. We, we, we never really got like covers of magazines and, you know, put on the radio like we should have been and this and that. If um, some guy pops in and he plays blues guitar and he's been playing for two weeks and he's doing a show down at the chicken shack or something, he's all over the paper, you know, but yeah. Hey, it's all fine. And that's wonderful and good for them. But don't forget about us. Don't forget about the hard rock scene. We're not the flavor of the month. 
uh, tourist wise down here, you know, we know what it's all about the blues and the Zydeco and the swamp. And that's great. That's wonderful. But the hard rock scene has really been put aside for many years. So when you get that statewide award, it means a lot. And because, uh, you know, the, the fans here in Louisiana have been amazing. Uh, I know Lillian Axe has probably taken up a lot of your time recently, but do you have any other music projects that you're currently working on? Well, we still have Sledgehammer. We're still doing that. It's Arena Rock cover band, and it's me and Michael, and Brent is back in Sledgehammer. I told you earlier how he got out. Well, when he joined Lillian back up, well, he joined Lillian, he got back up into Sledgehammer again. So he's doing that. I have an Iron Maiden tribute band with Michael, our bass player, he and I are joined at the hip. We do an Iron Maiden tribute band called Maiden LA, which is phenomenal. And it's a lot of fun, but musical projects right now, that's about all I can fill in right now. You know, I have a lot of other aspirations. I want to do a, a kid's lullaby album. I've always wanted to do that. I may do that with Brent. Uh, he and I like to do a lot of acoustic stuff. We're even talking about doing a, a 70s songwriter acoustic thing doing all the old early bread and so many times uh, so much time you have in a day <laughs> so um but yeah um that right now it, Lillian takes up uh, the bulk of my entire creative life <laughs> so which is fine because it, it really has it's everything that I you know I don't really have anything outside of that that I'm not creatively able to do so i'm good with that well those are all the questions i have for you today steve the new album from womb to tomb comes out august 19th on global rock records it got me back into the band it's a great album and i wish you the best of luck with it thank you very much man thanks for having me on there i appreciate it and uh stay in touch I'll, and i'll send a video out to you as, as soon as it's done once again, I want to thank Steve Blaze of Lillian Axe for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Head over to your favorite streaming app. Check out what's available from their latest album, From Womb to Tomb. If you like what you hear, make sure you buy a physical copy. Support the artist. For all things Lillian Axe, head over to LillianAxe.com. I also want to thank John Lappin of Lappin Enterprises for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.